1: Hey, good morning, good afternoon, good evening, wherever you are across the world. Scott Luton and Greg White here with you on Supply Chain. Now, welcome to today's live stream. Greg, how are we doing? I am doing well. I have discovered a way to
0: alleviate supply chain backlogs in a port. Okay. And that is for a hurricane to approach. So 37 ships all go out to sea at once. Wow. So, crazy, is, right?
1: It is. And I saw you share that earlier today, I think, on your uh, supply chain commentary where you are. right. Uh, Wishing prayers and best wishes to everyone in the Southeast, including the first responders and all the army of helpers that will be really busy over the next weeks or months, right?
0: Yeah, yeah, no doubt. I mean, of course, Florida has taken the brunt of it. It's going to go offshore past Daytona and then come back and hit right around the mouth of the Savannah River, Mm -hmm. which is the, that's the opening to the port of Savannah. So, uh, yeah, and that's about 17 miles from where I am sitting right this moment. So we'll see where that happens. Fortunately, I think it's going to degrade to a tropical storm. It's looking like it. Uh, But yeah, thoughts and prayers with everybody who's experiencing it now, yet to experience it. And of course, as you said, everyone who will help or is, I think about these sailors, they will not escape high seas, but at least the brunt
1: of the storm. Yeah. Uh, And they got to get back in line. Right. Now, all all of that is the important stuff for sure. Uh, yeah. So we look forward and we're going to be sharing a couple of tips and resources for folks that want to help some of those efforts here in just a moment. But really I over felt. the next hour, Greg, we're going to be talking about thriving in the face of frequent shocks to operations and profitability, right? Pretty timely. <laughs> it is it, it though, because uh, the disruption and the crises, they keep coming for global supply coming. chains, right? Yep. We're going to be hearing from a uh, been there, done that business leader as to the ingredients necessary to grow a sustainable business with requisite resiliency. Try to say that a couple of times fast. Uh,
0: you know, uh, isn't it great? First of all, I love the word requisite. And isn't it great that we're talking about resiliency so much more? I was just thinking about that, that just a couple of years ago, well, almost three now cost optimization or minimization was the theme of the day and now or or forecasting and now we're talking a lot about building resiliency in the face of both of those risks so i think that's
1: fantastic and others of course right Uh, i'm with you the the upheaval continues it's going to keep on coming i think today's it always has right it's just that we needed the shock
0: of the pandemic to realize it and for we the consumer
1: to go, hey, we see you, right. supply chain people. All right. <laughs> well, today's conversation is going to be a really practical one. Informative yeah. and a bit entertaining, I think. So stay tuned for a great conversation. We're going to be bringing our guest on in just a couple of minutes. But in the meantime, Greg, before we get there, let's say hello to a few folks. Look at here. Memory, it's been a while. Wow. I love that new headshot, Greg. Yeah, that is a pretty, is that a green jacket? I think it it's, uh, looks like a million bucks. So memory. Mm-hmm. And look at the, um, I think she has gained an extra certification or two since her last time with us. She's got the CPIM, which I remember us celebrating, but the CSSCP. So, memory, congratulations. Looking forward to your wonderful perspective you'll be dropping on today's live stream. Catherine, happy Wednesday, everybody. Big thanks to Catherine and Amanda and Chantel and Clay all helping us out with production behind the scenes. Jonathan Philippi, uh, Philippi, Philippi, uh, probably. Philippi. Philippi, thank you. I don't know. Uh, that's the way I would say it. <laughs> so, Jonathan, we got your first name right, but right. great great to have you back with us. He hails from Louisiana, so great to see you here via LinkedIn. Matthew DeSoto from Southern Oregon. You ever been up that way, Greg? Oh, yeah. yeah I
0: work for an auto parts chain that was uh, had a ton of stores in the Northwest.
1: Okay. Well, Matthew, welcome. Ducks. Go, go Ducks. That was, the name, that was the name of this chain. <laughs> okay. I thought you were uh, giving a plug-in for the Oregon Ducks, maybe. <laughs> I don't know. <laughs> but regardless, Matthew, hey, welcome. Looking forward to your perspective here. Thomas is tuned in via LinkedIn, says, hey, everybody, looking to connect professionals and experts in the field, specifically looking at demand forecasting and risk management and supply chains. He's in a good spot. We're going to talk a little
0: bit about that now and a little bit about that in a couple future episodes. So stay with us, Thomas.
1: That's right. Great to have you, Thomas. Look forward to your perspective. Rowett is with us here today via LinkedIn. Let us know where you're tuned in from. Gene Pledger. Hey, Gene, hope this finds you well there in Northern Alabama. He says Fort Myers and Sanibel are getting blasted, and we, we were t- touching on that earlier. Yeah. Um, there's going to be a lot of work that we're all going to have to chip in and throw resources at and help folks out. So, Gene, thanks so much. Great to have you here. Sophia. Sophia's back. Good morning, Supply Chain Now community. She says, great to see you here, um, Sophia. And Jonathan did confirm, Greg, you said it right. Philippi, is that what you said? Yeah. Okay. Yeah. Uh,
0: you know, it's, I believe I knew somebody with that last name in high school or
1: college. <laughs> it all runs together, on right? A font of, of uh, historical knowledge, let's call it. <laughs> well, Jonathan, thank you so much. Great to have you. I look forward to your perspective. Hey, Rain Carpenter is here. Rain, great to see you. Um, uh, we are as excited about this as well. Looking forward to your perspective. Cool you know, memory hat. brings up something here, Greg. We've heard a lot about this from our friend Jenny Froome and, and plenty of others. Uh, memory says she's living in a reality of energy crisis, load shedding for breakfast, lunch, and dinner in South Africa. We've heard a lot about that. So, hey, memory, you persevered through, and, and and so great to have you back here for the first time in a while. Okay. So, Greg, we got a great topic. Are we ready to bring on our wonderful guest speaker? I know we could hit everybody. Y'all keep the comments coming. we look forward to sharing your observations at several points throughout the conversation. But and you're uh, gonna get plenty to comment on and ask about in this conversation. Very, so very true, Greg. Very true. So I've got one question for you though. Are What's you that? buckled up and ready to go, Greg? I am buckled up and battened down. Yes. <laughs> all right. Well, good deal. With no further ado, I want to welcome in Stephanie Richelieu Stagger, Chief Customer Officer with 3G. Stephanie, Hello. good afternoon. How are you doing?
2: I'm doing well. How are you all?
1: Now, great. Greg, could you catch that, right, as I identified what time of day it was? Steph appeared to do what I always do. I look in that right-hand corner of the computer screen and check the time. Did you just do that stuff?
2: I did. <laughs> I did the look, and I teed you up to make sure you knew it was afternoon here.
1: That is right. Thank you so much. Uh, well, hey, uh, all kidding aside, great to have you. I'm really looking forward to the conversation. We've enjoyed the pre-show conversations. And uh, and, and it's going to be, it's hey, a good supply chain conversation is always timely. But Greg, as you alluded to, right now, it's maybe extra timely, right? Yeah, no doubt. I mean, we're going to learn a lot about resilience over the course of the next
0: few weeks. That's right.
1: Well, so let's talk about that for starters. We're going to get into a real practical conversation here in a minute, but it is also timely National Good Neighbor Day. And, you know, we were chatting about Mm -hmm. this yesterday, Greg with Jeff, and we want to pose the same question to Steph here today. So, Steph. You know, we're big fans of the do good movement mm-hmm. out there, right? Really practical ways of doing good. So what's one of you, when you think of nonprofits or great initiatives, ph- uh, philanthropies, you name it, what's one of your favorites uh, out there?
2: Top one for me is Feeding America, feedingamerica.org. They are, uh, you know, food insecurity. It's not as well publicized. Sometimes in the U.S. it has been during the pandemic. But Feeding America, it supports over 200 food banks, feeds over 46 million people. It's a huge problem in the U.S. People aren't aware of it and it will become more problematic as you get these epicenters of activity as well, right? Food, that, food insecurity is going to continue to, to grow. So this is something that's near and dear, something that we support as a company as well, by the way, and something individually that we've maintained. It's really good.
1: Love that. And the team has uh, shared the link here if y'all want to check out feedingamerica.org. I really appreciate you sharing that, uh, Steph. Yeah. Um, Greg. I know one of those that that we're all fans of, we were talking pre-show, is the American, let's see here, Allen Logistics Aid. Logistics Aid Network. Thank you very much. I, sometimes I get my acronyms wrong, but the American Logistics Aid Network. Y'all check that out at allanaid.org. And in a nutshell, and Greg, I'd love for you to check me here. In a nutshell, one of the great things that they do, uh, Kathy Fulton's been with us here before, uh, Steph and Greg, is they, take, they help companies leverage their supply chain wherewithal to get the resources, and the recovery efforts uh, where they need to be through a variety of natural disasters, including the work being done with Hurricane Ian. So, Greg, one of our favorites, right?
0: Yeah, I mean, it really, it incredibly timely, right? I mean, along with actual neighbors just doing good for one another, which we know we're going to see. I mean, even just here with the locals, they're helping people prepare, decide whether to go or stay, like I said, buckling up and battening down and right hoarding water.
1: Right. <laughs> so, So true. One last note here. Thank you, Greg and Steph for both sharing. My dad went down with the South Carolina National Guard when Hugo ravaged the Charleston and and really lots of the South Carolina coast. And he spoke exactly what you're talking about, Greg. I still remember him telling this one story as he is working a tractor and clearing massive trees and stuff. And the folks down there were just bringing whatever food they had, trying to reward the folks helping them. He, He was talking about shrimp cocktails. They had it on hand and they were just trying to you know, give to those that were given to them. It really brings. Mm-hmm. I mean, it's, it's, we need more of that uh, in society, right? Absolutely. Agreed. Okay. But, you know, it seems to happen in
0: real times of need. I think that's the important thing, right? Agreed. Uh, it, it's easy to forget about those in need as you go through the day. That's why we like, love the give forward philosophy, but it's hard to do that all the time, but it, you can count on a huge group of people, an amazingly large group of people whenever there's a crisis. That's right.
1: Okay. Well, I appreciate both of y'all on the front end here of level setting in many ways. We want to kind of pivot where we are level setting next and kind of focus more on on supply chain industry, right? uh, Mm Because global supply chain continues on regardless of what is in the news headlines or what's going on. And I want to start there with you, Steph. Mm -hmm. And when you're surveying global supply chain right now, what are some of the the things that business leaders are telling you about? What are some things you're seeing? Uh, What are some of your observations there?
2: Yeah, I mean, look, it's not gonna be news to most people because you're experiencing it. We're all experiencing it on a daily basis, right? We turn on the news, we have war, we have hurricanes, we've got weather events, we have drought that are causing main waterways to be shut down to traffic or to have to have lighter loads. Those have a ripple effect. Everything that you can imagine from shortages that are that are coming in with the the supplies when we had the baby food crisis, right? There's All of this is still in play. It's still ongoing. We see it in every way. And you see it in smaller components as well, right? Something that's happening at a very local level is still a disruption to that local smaller business. And those are the things that we're seeing. And what we're hearing from the companies that we operate with is, look, we want to figure it out, but it's at the end of the day, a lot of the things are an economic question, and part of the conversation we'll have today is where does psychology and economics
1: kind of balance out sometimes, right? Oh, I love that. Yeah. Uh, Greg, your thoughts?
0: Yeah, well, I mean, economics is as much art as science, frankly, more. And a lot of that is understanding the psychology of motivation of the consumer, which really That's drives right. the economy, and then how that will impact things mm-hmm. like demand and, and supply and availability and timing, yep. right? So it's an important aspect of it. It's something, honestly, we need to take a bigger look at and that will help make supply chains more resilient. And Mm.
2: look at all the forecasting models. A lot of things you kind of have to throw out the window in some respects, right? The job has gotten really, really difficult for folks because you get this spike, right? Obviously during the pandemic, we know face masks, other things like that. And then tomorrow we don't need as many. How do I manage that, right? Mm. I've got this massive spike and then... Yep. Absence of need. Now what? Yep. How do we deal? Yeah. It's sort of That's like
0: the great toilet paper shortage of 2020. <laughs> right?
2: <laughs> People exactly didn't right. need
0: more toilet paper. They just felt like they would need it for a longer period of time. That's so
2: they right. bought
1: greater time supply and then That's demand right. dipped. That's right. So Talking about, or Stephanie, uh, Steph was talking about the intersection of psychology and economics. I think it was. That's a great example of that. I, th- yep. I think one other thing, when we l- really look in, in these times, as you know, Steph, you alluded to, you name it, war, weather events, all sorts of, of tragic sets of circumstances, whether it disappears from the headlines or not. Uh, but, and Greg, you alluded to this on the front end, the great thing is a silver lining here is that industry has learned so much and it, it's already applying it and we're changing how business has been done in so many different ways for some long-standing reasons, and for some new reasons. Mm-hmm. So I appreciate you sharing, both of y'all, uh, some of the observations out there that you're seeing. Before we move on, Steph, anything else you want to add? I know you got your finger on the pulse. Anything else? we miss anything as we're level-setting observations before we move into one of my favorite recent checklists?
2: No, I think uh, I think it's good because we'll cover and we'll give some examples along the way in the conversation, I think.
1: I agree with that. And by the way, great to see you here, Gaurav. Great, Great to have you back via LinkedIn. Let us know where you're tuned in from. Dr. Rhonda is talking about another nonprofit initiative, Rowan University, so y'all check that out. And then finally, Sophia, and yet again, she says, supply chains related to everything. Yep. Stay tuned for new jobs and psychologists in this field. That's an excellent point, Sophia. Mm-hmm. Okay, so let's give folks a sneak peek. So what we're doing, the main thrust of our conversation, Greg and Steph here today, is we want to talk about how organizations can grow a sustainable, resilient business in this current challenging landscape, right? And so, Steph, let's give folks a sneak peek of kind of the three items that make up that checklist, what you're going to be speaking to here. And that is expect disruption, Mm -hmm. educate and collaborate, and empower agility, right? That's right. Okay. So, with that said, let's dive into this first bucket of expect disruption. Tell us more about that.
2: Exactly what we just talked about today, right? Expect disruption You're going to have something that's going to happen. It may be something that has global worldwide press. It might be something that's happening at a local level that has massive impact. If any of you remember, I think the name of the company is the Renaissance, the the Japanese semiconductor company, right? Had a fire. It's one third of the semiconductor, the chip manufacturing of all vehicles, one third of all vehicles were sourced from that location. So you have a localized fire that has Mm -hmm. a massive ripple effect on one third of the cars. That's extraordinary, right? These types of things are going to happen and they're not all things that are within our control. So one of the objectives when we're looking at talking about expecting disruption is I need to understand and accept that disruption is going to happen, but I also need to understand that I can do something about it, but it is an economic and a psychological question, right? Of what is my risk tolerance? Where are the main points Within my supply chain, within my business, that are the most vulnerable? What do I feel I have to protect? And if I'm a small business with not a lot of dollars behind me, how do I make those decisions? Those are things that take pre work and constant work. This isn't a one off event. So that's really what in the category of expecting disruption at a high level,
1: right?
2: Yeah. As we, yeah, it, it, go ahead. I'm sorry.
1: Uh, Well, I was going to get Greg to weigh in on what he's here, Mm -hmm. but I want to give you a chance, Steph, to finish your point. What else?
2: I think it's understanding that there's things that are internal and external. We focus the front end of this conversation today really on kind of the external things things that are happening to us from outside that we're having to react to as best we can, right? Mm. And that's, that's going to fall into proactive planning to react more efficiently, right? Mm. But there's also things that are internal to the organization. And part of it is that psychology of accepting risk, of understanding it, knowing where I'm going to be. And it's also understanding the processes and controls within the organization. Do I have processes? Do I have communication gaps? Do I have plan gaps in how I run my business that will amplify a challenge or help de-amplify the result of that challenge, right? Those are things that fall under this category and uh, are important that you have in the full scope of what you're looking at.
1: All right, Greg, we're getting a fast start right out of the gate with this expect disruption. Your thoughts on what Steph just shared? It's the foundational tenet of supply
0: chain, right? I mean, the very first thing I was taught I know this is not exactly Mm -hmm. the most uplifting message was assume everyone will fail you
2: That's
0: right. and build a provision for that, Mm -hmm. right? The consumers will do something or your customers will do something that disrupts your demand plan or a carrier will fail to deliver. Or, you know, we've talked about even some really funny things. Our trucks, we sold auto parts. Our trucks would disappear to Mexico and we'd find the stuff being sold in the desert or drivers might go on a, Substance binge. So anything could happen, right? Right. And we've seen that both internally and externally, right? You have, I think about when we talked about drivers so much, I think about how many times a driver shows up with an appointment and still the distribution center isn't ready, or Mm -hmm. it takes too long to get the goods put away so you can't ship them when orders come in. There's all kinds of internal and external things that can happen. I think key to expecting disruption is to expect the outcome of the disruption, not trying to decide whether the linebacker or the cornerback is going to blitz, but right. what do you do when a blitz occurs, right? right? When mm-hmm. it comes from the left, it doesn't matter if it's a linebacker or a cornerback, right? <laughs> mm-hmm. Sorry, football season <laughs> stuff, but I think it's, you know, I the-
2: heard Pats fan. Sorry. Oh the, man,
0: you got a big yeah. trophy case then stuff.
2: Yeah. It's it's going to be a little bit light for a bit, but we'll get back.
0: Uh, you get Yeah, definitely. I'm hoping that it's going to be for a good bit (laughs) and and that those go to the chief's trophy case. Anyway, I think, you know, you have to understand that. I think sometimes, and as we talk more and more about resilience and expecting disruption, we're so focused on what the disruption is. That's important, but it's Mm -hmm. not as important as what is the effect. The effect is you need to get out of the pocket, roll out, and Mm -hmm. hit the receiver on the run. So, I think that's the important thing and a, just a slight distinction that we need to think about as we talk about um, some of this agility and resilience that we're going to talk about later.
1: Yeah, I agree. Excellent point, Steph and Greg. I want to add one little quick, you know, about this expect disruption. we got, we got three items on our checklist. that expect disruption is the first one. I think one of the things is attacking that blind spot. You mm-hmm. know, and I, I use this as an example, not to pick on anybody because I bet they knew, but as a consumer, you know, because we're all consumers, I had no idea that Ukraine was the number one producer of, I think it's sunflower oil, right? Which is a key ingredient in baby formula.
2: That's
1: right. Uh, Now, I bet those procurement pros and supply chain pros knew that. But I'm using that, you know, it it wasn't on my radar. And Mm -hmm. I think when it comes to expecting disruption, the more that business leaders and supply chain pros can really chip away. There's always going to be some sliver of blind spot, right? Mm -hmm. But Mm -hmm. the more they can minimize that, the better... They'll be in better position to hit the curve balls that are, you know, as we all talked about, are inevitably going to continue to come at them. Steph, does that resonate yeah. with you?
2: A- absolutely. And, and truthfully, Scott, it's a perfect tee up to the that second pillar. Couldn't have done it better, which is really the educate and collaborate because it's exactly that. We're not going to get them all. But one of the ways to give ourselves the the greatest amount of wherewithal is to be very open and very transparent in understanding where disruption might come from. But to your point, Greg, you know, what could we do about it? Well, the first thing we need to do is actually know who the heck we do business with. Who are they? Where are they getting their supplies? Where right. are they located? Do they have back backup plans? Do I have some options from an internal perspective? Am I aligned? Does my production design group understand that if they're getting super creative and having a great time and every part is unique, I have a really hard time downstream of creating something that is going to be resilient because I'm very dependent on one offs or things of that nature right so education collaboration is that next piece right identify the best i can where those blind spots might be what are going to be the most important things and then work and talk and meet and collaborate and be transparent with all of your partners downstream upstream and internally
1: hypocritical. All right, Greg, I know she's talking our land. See, I told you, Steph is just kindred spirits. She fits right in with these conversations we're having anyway. Greg, what what are some of your thoughts there?
0: I think education is critical and it really starts with supply chain education. So the expect disruption is the inverse of the foundational education of supply chain professionals today. We all we constantly use this term when we're talking about forecasting or we're talking about scenario planning and we do this. We use this term, which I hate, and that is all other things being equal, right? We need to strike that from any discussion in supply chain because all other things are never equal. All other things being equal is what makes the beer game work. And the beer game is foundationally how many people are taught supply chain. It is fundamentally flawed. The beer mm-hmm. game doesn't work and it doesn't teach you about the way the supply chain works <laughs> today. So,
2: but it's fun I to play over a beer.
0: <laughs> it is, <laughs> it is a beer. lot of fun to play. It really is, right? And I really thought I was learning something when I was you know, doing it. And, mm-hmm. and we may or may not have played it once or twice with a beer. <laughs> but I think key is getting that edu- education right and identifying things that we need to change in how we educate people. And doing that education also in the workforce, of course, as Steph was talking about, but educate not just your people, but educate all of your trading partners and yes. gain education for the from those trading partners. Because for too long, the supply chain has been about pointing fingers at everyone else,
2: mm-hmm.
0: mostly because we don't understand the dynamics that even we place on our trading partners that causes them disruption. So we need to educate ourselves on that. I've seen Many organizations, we talked with Henry Schein, they're very good about keeping open and transparent communication mm-hmm. and collaboration with their trading partners. And there's no finger pointing. It's a, oh, we didn't mean to do that to you. Yeah. Right. So, yeah, I think that's obviously a critical aspect of it. And I got to tell you, Steph, as long as you're out there, I feel like people are going to be getting educated. So Agreed.
2: Look, I think it's it's there's no plan that anybody can put together that um, sitting by themselves in an office is going to get done correctly. It's not going to work. If we're not communicating, if we think we have some secret sauce that we're not willing to share with somebody, then good luck. because it's Good luck with that.
1: Uh, Going back to Greg, you mentioned uh, Henry Sean, I think 18 to 20 acquisitions per year, as I recall Mm -hmm. from that that interview we had. And they had had 50
0: while I was working with them.
1: Really? And over Uh, about three uh, years, yeah. So think about the the true resiliency from an operational supply chain mm-hmm. leadership standpoint to be able to wire all that together for the good of the enterprise. Um, I want to share a couple of quick comments here. First off, Sophia, amen Steph, she says she also says assumptions are dangerous, especially when generalizing. Excellent point. <laughs> Excellent I point. Love that. Uh, <laughs> yes. Memory says it's important to analyze the role of value chain partners and continually review strategies to align with dynamics within the environment and internally. Mm-hmm. You get out of alignment, bad things happen, for sure. It's right. the,
0: you know, the butterfly effect is the perfect
1: Absolutely. description
0: for supply chain. It could be something very small. It could be a 10-cent part. You yep. know, we had, we've had we been having this discussion about Ford and their supply chain woes, and I think it was du- uh, Scott, Scott, Justin, Dustin? Uh, anyway. Another Scott, Scott. Yep. Who asked the Who asked the poignant question? How many parts does it take to build an F one hundred and fifty? All of them, <laughs>
1: <laughs> including uh, the that. Ford logo, the yeah. blue oval, right? Yes, <laughs> the blue oval. Yeah. Um, and one little thing just for you, Greg, is Matthew DeSoto says go Chiefs. So Thank it looks you, like Matt. y'all got some fellow Chiefs fans. And by the way, Steph given that you're a big Pats fan. Can y'all share some of that secret sauce with our Atlanta Falcons team? I'll tell you what, it has been such a... (laughs) Up close and personal. Yeah, but the Falcons didn't ingest it. Yeah, we can't. We'll never go back to that game. In fact, I can't even speak it. It's too painful. You
2: can show and show and show, but if you're not willing to receive... (laughs) (laughs)
1: That's right, Steph. That's right. Okay. So we're working our way through this uh, uh, Mm three-item checklist for the sake of this conversation of how to really uh, grow resiliency so that you can expand successfully in light Mm -hmm. of this uh, ever-challenging environment we're all in. So the first one was expect disruption. The second item was educate and collaborate. And thirdly is what, Steph?
2: Empower agility and it's a more buzzy statement, or whatever, what does that really mean? Well, it builds off the other two, right? Empowering agility can be an incredibly expensive proposition if you think you have to be able to react, pivot, uh, take advantage of every potential scenario that's ever existed or been known to man, right? So it's not the legal perspective of Do I have a way to manage every potential risk, no matter how how far-fetched it might be? It's, okay, what's the real risk that I have or the real opportunity, right? Because agility isn't just about, in resilience, they're not just about being reactive. They're also about being able to be proactive to new opportunities, right, Mm -hmm. to move forward. So it's taking a look and saying, Do I have a narrowed view that is uh, both economically feasible for me to support? Is it something from a program perspective, because it is a program to continue to build on this, that I can continue to garner support? It's easy to garner support for supply chain related challenges in a period of crisis. And then this is the psychology, human nature kicks in, time passes, life's feeling pretty good you supply chain folks, uh, we're back in cost mode. We're in this, we're in that, right? Whereas right now the message might be, no matter what, get it done, figure it out. Let's figure it out. And then tomorrow it goes in, right? So you don't want that whiplash. You need something that's going to be able to sustain. So when we're talking about empowering agility, it's not just the concrete actions of what playbooks do I need to have it uh, you know, on hand How do I bring more digitization in, right? More automation and tooling into my structure. How do I ensure that I've shared knowledge? But it's also that entire network play internally and externally. How do I maintain this? Am I going to run into cost obstacles? Is this a full-time job? Do I have the wherewithal? How do I make it scale? that's really what's going to be required for us to truly as individual organizations empower ourselves. Do I empower you, Scott, to go out and do the stuff? If I don't empower the individuals that are on the front line, it's a fail point,
1: right? Mm. So empowering agility uh, in a a really a greater sense is what I'm picking up from Steph. Greg, your thoughts there on that third one.
0: Yeah, uh, I mean, long ignored agility, right? I mean, we focus so much to, to Steph's point on cost. And so much on forecasting, trying to predict the future that we, in many cases, ignored responsiveness and preemptiveness, right? And opportunism. I mean, that's that's the truth. You know, there are companies who make 100% of their profit by hedging inventory. Right. In the wine and spirits industry and in the food service industry, they have to forward buy inventory ahead of what they know is a coming price increase mm-hmm. in order to make any profit. So, there are companies who accomplish both. Think about that. They increase their inventory to make a profit. So, I think the other thing that you have to recognize about agility is that it's not a zero sum game, right? If you're increasing your inventory and you do it the right way, and I think digitization technology is one of the best ways to help us assess that, Mm -hmm. then you can make more money by doing that than if you don't. The other is, I think we have to acknowledge recovery as an agility, right? Yeah. Visions of Tom Brady just keeps coming into my head. Now that you, now that you, say, <laughs> now that you mentioned you're a Patriots fan, but you know, think about those times you nearly got knocked down and still managed to recover and hit Randy Moss deep mm-hmm. uh, behind the corner. So
2: <laughs> it's scarred you didn't it?
0: Yeah. scarred <laughs> all of it. Man. So. It really has scarred the entire NFL. Yes. <laughs> but, but, You know, those are admirable things, of course. Right. But I I think these are the kind of things that we have to think about, because what we've tried to do is be so perfect in front of blind spots or ahead of blind spots or ahead of disruptions and things like that. You have to. And I think that's why you go right back back to expect disruption. If you expect disruption, you not only build resilience, but agility that enables that resilience, whether your first response is correct or even wrong or whether the in, the disruption is so dramatic that all you can do is recover for now right? right just get back on your feet so and you know we talked early even before Steph came on Scott that I, I'm glad we're talking about this because for so long we have ignored it and it got us what it got us in the pandemic right things like I, i'm not going to say lean but the right. misuse of lean right and the misinterpretation of lean principles got us to where there was no backstop. Right. So we have to recognize that that part of optimizing a supply chain is expecting and accounting for and provisioning for those disruptions.
1: Excellent mm-hmm. point. And, and speaking directly to lean, a lot of things have been put under the lean banner that had nothing to do with that methodology. Yeah, you know that, that better than any of us. Right. True. But it's a lot of good stuff, Greg. Steph, I'm going to give you a chance to respond to some of the things mm-hmm. that Greg just shared there. And then I'm going to hit some of the comments we've gotten here. Anything else to add there, Steph? As we talk about this, empower Actually, agility. a
2: question because I think you 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 struck a thought for me in talking about the education system and around supply chain. One of the ways that we'll be able to propagate better practices, right? And we've talked a little bit about the information within supply chain being valuable, etc. But do we teach, I don't know anymore, I'm a little bit disconnected from the education side, do we teach supply chain professionals through the education on how to interact within the within their organization and their colleagues of making sure that they know how to bring forth the importance of the issues, the supply chain, uh, how not to be the person who cries wolf, but the person who we need to listen to more of the EF Hutton versus, you know, <laughs>
0: something
2: else <laughs>
1: Right. Yeah, yeah. Yeah. What a great question. And, and and Greg, you go ahead. I think that that is
0: sorely lacking. I can't say that it's completely absent, Steph, but I think it is sorely lacking because Y-chain has long been treated as something so technical and scientific, right. and mm-hmm. and also brute force.
1: Mm-hmm.
0: Right. We think of you know what you guys do you know in the transportation area as brute force. Right. Yeah. yeah. And there is so much science that needs to be applied, but I, I think those kind of skills depend on how the supply chain practices is constructed. For instance, my alma mater, Wichita State, it, it is yeah. a combined effort between the business school right. and the engineering school. So it's both very mm-hmm. technical and you can take an imbalanced track. You can take more of a technical mm-hmm. track or more of a business track. Mm-hmm. And I think we need to consider that more. We need to consider mm-hmm. that at, at other universities because even at the greats, Michigan mm-hmm. State, MIT, and Stanford, it is largely a scientific exercise, right? Yep, yep. But you're right. We need to make sure we inculcate all of those business gifts Ooh. that everyone mm-hmm. else in the organization has. Yeah. Because it, 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 companies are driven by their supply chain to harken back to, to Henry Schein. I saw yeah. their supply chain organization, by virtue of creating the culture you just described, project that out into other parts of the enterprise that had a little bit of a chicken little, yeah. you know, right, kind yeah. of. I'll,
2: I'll give you the two seconds for my own and for the shout out to the supply chain professionals. You have more data that impacts the business within the supply chain organization than any other group within your yep. company. Yep. Yep. You hold a lot of power and wealth within that data that can help the other groups and enforce collaboration at a different level than it's ever been.
0: You Agreed. saw you know you reminded me of a company talk about a sleeper, Mills Fleet Farm, right? based in Appleton, Wisconsin. They had rooms where the merchandisers would negotiate with uh, the suppliers, and they literally locked them in a room and they could manipulate the temperature also, not a bad tactic. But what they learned was that their what they called logistics supply chain people, could deliver a lot of value in those conversations so that a merchant didn't say, yeah, we'll buy container loads. When you know the data, as you talk about Steph, that the supply chain team had said, that's a terrible thing to say, right? right. Let's, buy, let's buy half containers or, right. you know, or pa- buy by the pallet because that's mm-hmm. way too much inventory for the volume that they're gonna produce or whatever. That's right. So you're right. And I've seen that be really, really effective as long ago as more than two decades, Scott. Mm-hmm. Um, so no more. So yeah, th- that
1: is an absolute, an absolute truth. So let, let, let me get back to the question, uh, Stephanie, you know, we've got a series, uh, um, uh, here at supply chain. Now we call the now generation where we're mm-hmm. we're interviewing some of the leading supply chain schools, including Arkansas, which, you know, Gartner's placed atop the list. Uh, my alma mater, South, South Carolina is number three on their list of mm-hmm. best supply chain universities. And it is amazing to your point, how they're training, uh, the now generation of supply chain practitioners, some things are already doing that these students are doing before they even graduate. But I'm adding communication and kind of some of those other uh, attributes uh, to our next interview uh, with the, um, the leaders of the South Carolina Supply Chain University program. And we'll, we'll find out directly from those. I love incredible, that idea. Brilliant. Yeah, the folks. voice
2: of supply chain in the organization. That's right. In? Yeah, that's great.
1: All right, so let me do this, share a couple of quick comments, and then we're going to find out a lot more about 3G and are also going to dive into some resources that you and the team brought here today. I want to hit uh, (laughs) Dr. Rhonda is talking about trauma with Greg, going back to the NFL conversations. Hey, yes, definitely. But she also says we can get comfy and not be mindful of how we're operating and lack assisting or evaluating our processes and behaviors. It can be costly in so many different ways. Can I address that
0: just real quick? Yeah another great leader that I met in my travels used to ask the question when something went wrong, why did it go wrong? Mm -hmm. Right. That's really common. Not who or what, what, but why. what what he also asked was when something went right, why did it go right? And you had to have to your point, Steph, an equally Mm -hmm. defensible position as to why it went right. Mm -hmm. And that consciousness of what makes things go right. Rather than just riding the wave like we do in the stock market so often or these silly mm-hmm. people who buy crypto, you know, knowing what makes something work and what made it work in that scenario is really, really critical to being able to repeat it. And I think right. that is something, Scott, as you're talking to the now generation, impart that wisdom to them,
1: yep. be able to answer the question, what went right? I appreciate that, Greg and Steph. And hey, they're imparting a lot of wisdom on us. It's amazing what these folks are doing. So, but mm-hmm. Steph, I appreciate that question. It's a great question that we should all be thinking about as practitioners, as we're sitting in seats with positions that are molding where the industry is going, right? And mm-hmm. of course, talent drives that. Speaking of Wichita, Mohib is back with us. Enjoyed a great air show at, at uh, McConnell Air Force Base, where I used to serve. So Mohib, we've missed you. Hope this finds you well. And finally, Thomas. So Thomas, to your first question, Thomas, which he says, how are supply chain-dependent companies planning resiliency in their organizations. I really think that Steph and Greg have addressed that a lot with this three-item checklist in a bigger sense. And then we're going to, maybe we'll touch on tools here in a minute. Uh, Thomas is asking about tools for forecasting and risk Steph, is there
0: anything in that question that just jumps out at you immediately? Uh,
2: I I think some of the things on the dependent supply chain, there's a lot of movement. It's a much bigger topic. We're not going to be able to cover it today, but The discussions, and no matter where your central point is, whether it's the US or Germany, it doesn't matter, it's where your house is, nearshoring, reshoring, activities, those are areas that are being explored greatly. The tools around forecasting, obviously, it's data, it's digitization, et cetera, but there's some bigger macro type of decisions that companies are needing to look at and make that are going to, I think, again, put the supply chain folks in the middle of the conversation.
0: Wonderful. I don't know why I knew she had <laughs> a thought
1: there, right? You could just <laughs> see it. <laughs> we need to book a second hour. Uh, <laughs> <with Steph. laughs> and yes, see them, the University of Arkansas. That was, uh, we, we sat down with them probably about three or four months ago. They're doing some really cool things there. Great to see you here today as well. All right. So we're trying to get to many comments, uh, but Steph and Greg. Mm-hmm. Steph, let's dive into what 3G is doing. Let's just, um, let's, in a nutshell, what are some of the cool things that y'all do over at 3G?
2: Yeah, I mean, it's really a foundational tool, right? So we, we do transportation management systems and shipping execution systems. So both the planning side and, and optimizing as well as the executing side out of the warehouse or 3 or 3PL, whatever the case may be. The big thing that, that, you know, when we talk about resilience and threading it in, we're part of that digitization. Part of putting information at your fingertips, of taking lots of pulse points that are that are happening, of providing more choice of providing flexibility. from a systems perspective, I used to say something you never want your systems to be the ones that leave you behind, right? So it's something that we take very closely here within 3G, which is building uh, solutions that can pivot, right that can have some additions coming in or changes so we can take advantage of it. That's really what we're focused on. more choice, automation, automate what should be automated, put the information in the hands of humans to make the right types of decisions uh, that are there and bring that balance forward.
1: Love that. So, so much practicality there. And and it's mm-hmm. not just, Greg, you know, we talk about this quite a bit. It's not just technology for the sake of technology, because it's, mm-hmm. uh, you know, shiny and new and all this stuff, but it's really purpose-driven, you know, technology, mm-hmm. uh, starting with, you know, the outcomes you're seeking and working backwards is kind of something hard there. Greg, your thoughts?
0: Yeah, I agree. I think the only way to the only way to implement technology and to use it is to identify the problem that you're having or the outcome that you're seeking both in many cases mm-hmm. and then apply a technology that solves that problem. And I think a lot of companies they try to solve too many problems at once. Yes. Right? Pick the biggest pain, solve that, get the win because mm-hmm. a lot of companies are still trying to get their they're still trying to get their constituency, their their team comfortable mm-hmm. with technology, taking on some tasks. So mm-hmm. find an area where you have a lot of pain, help people recognize that technology can solve that. Then eventually, this is the question you want to hear is, oh, so you tackled that force. Could you also do this? When mm-hmm. you've gotten to that point,
1: you have truly won over your constituency. Excellent yeah. point. And Steph, That's when you hear something like that, that's like music to your ears, right?
2: Yeah, absolutely. And it's. There's a role for everyone to play, right? It's um, from a HR perspective, we're all dealing with the, you know, kind of the throws that slow down obviously now, but it was difficult hiring environments. And what's attractive? Well, technology is attractive to the now generation, right? The Mm -hmm. folks that are coming in. But a lot of the knowledge of things that have occurred resides in people that have been around for 20 or 30 years. Being able to blend those assets, for lack of a better way, To be more attracted to the now, to have the information that comes in to feed the the mechanisms or the systems that you have is really important.
1: Oh, Greg, she is talking our language with Mm -hmm. those last few thoughts. I got to give you a quick response to that, Greg.
0: The generation that we're talking about is baby boomers. So instead Mm -hmm. of, okay, boomer, maybe we ought to say, okay, tell me something, boomer, because uh, that generation is leaving the workforce at a record pace, the largest generation in the history of Earth is leaving with knowledge that was largely intellectual, not always or even often documented. And we need to capture that. And we can capture Mm -hmm. that in a way, by the way, Mm -hmm. that the now generation can really absorb it. We can impart knowledge into technology with AI, for instance, and, and then utilize that to make the decisions or guide the decisions that provide the desired outcome that, the now generation wants. They don't want to do the grinding of, or the Mm -hmm. manual or the dark, dirty, dangerous, or dull parts of that kind of work.
2: That's right.
0: Because they're used to technology, giving them the answer, and it certainly can and should. We need to capture that, that knowledge and impart it to the
1: technology to be able to do that. So that seems to be a big part of the mission of uh, the 3G team. So good there. Let's recap a bit because I want to give folks the opportunity to learn a lot more about Steph and 3G. But I want to go back to just kind of recapping what we heard here: the three buckets, you know, three ways to really grow a more sustainable, resilient organization and supply chain in light of what we're all experiencing. Expect disruption. Educate and collaborate and Empower Agility, which my favorite is probably that third one. And, and mm-hmm. I loved your comments there, Steph. Um, There's a lot of people like screenshotting right now, so I'm just going <laughs> to give them a moment to <laughs> <Okay>. capture that. <laughs> um, So hopefully everyone got that, but I'll, I'll move along because we have other opportunities for folks to connect with Steph and, and 3G. And I want to start with the upcoming webinar, Steph. We're, we're going to kind of reverse these resources. Yeah. I want to start with the upcoming webinar on October 18th. Mm -hmm. entitled A New Paradigm of Resilience, Protect Against the Next Supply Chain Crisis. We're hosting Mm -hmm. uh, 3G here at Supply Chain. Now, why should folks, Steph, check out that webinar?
2: Well, first and foremost, Ron Lee, who's my colleague um, and our chief product officer, is a good guy and a funny guy. So if nothing else, you come (laughs) out and support Ron. (laughs) It's, it's, uh, it's, It's a continuation, right? This is a hot topic. This will be You know, from the webinar perspective, it's a different format. It's going to have some different information in it that that is going to be maybe a little bit more concrete takeaways in some of these buckets just by the nature, again, of the format. And uh, we have a lot to share. You know, we have 800 customers that we deal with on a daily basis and understanding what they're feeling and seeing and hearing. And those are things that we want to share.
1: I love that. And that's October 18th. I think Mm -hmm. our team just dropped a link in the chat. It's free to attend, but you got to register. So make sure you register. All right. And then, and and so Greg, you and I are tackling that uh, together on the 18th. Uh, One other thing I want to point people out, another resource we want to drop, Steph and Greg, is uh, the feature page I'll have at 3G, where you feature a a variety of different stories uh, from customers, which are Mm -hmm. the best kind, uh, Bemis, Green Circle Growers, and others. Let's drop that in the chat as well. You know, Steph, because those from what I saw, those are examples of what you and Greg have been speaking to. Mm-hmm. Where uh, hey, here's a here's here's a challenge. Here's the problem. Here's what I want to do. How mm-hmm. can we get there? And it looks That's like you right. and your team step up to the uh, the plate and hit home runs there. Maybe.
2: Yeah, I mean, you know, I I like to say it's a little bit cocky, maybe, but you know, when you <laughs> failed in other solutions, people um, come to 3G. There's a history of of folks that are here that are 20, 30 year veterans in in supply chain activities that have a lot to uh, instill and we're learning. Our constituents, our buyers, tend to be second, third time buyers of other solutions before they they come in. And so there's learning that comes from that. But in those stories, it's something that, I can't remember if it was Greg or you said it, that S- uh, Scott was- um, Probably Greg you to today. <laughs> <laughs> You're not boiling the ocean with these solutions. You're identifying your key problems. And it's, again, it's a human nature. It's a psychology thing. We all think it's a blast to whiteboard. Our grand visions of the world and how everything is going to operate perfectly. And that's just not going to get you anywhere. We have to be able to identify a little bit more concretely, right? And that's um, what some of those case studies point out. There's both from pure shipping execution, as well as more upstream on the TMS side with the optimization and planning, what people focused on, the types of results they got, I think can be helpful.
1: You know, I, on the front end, Greg and Steph, and Greg, I want to give, get you to respond uh, as well to this maybe. You know, I use the word practical is one of my favorite words because mm-hmm. it really speaks to what Steph's talking about there, at least to me. You know, what's tangible? Yeah, there's there's lots of grandeur out in industry, and we need that, right? That helps to change industry. But some of that, a portion of that, I'll leave you all to set maybe the uh, what percentages are. A lot of that can be hot air and doesn't get us anywhere. And Steph, what I hear you say is, what are we trying to do in a very tangible and practical manner? Mm -hmm. And let's do that, right? Greg, speak to that for a second. Your final thought before we um, thank Steph for her time.
0: Yeah, I think the things like case studies are so powerful because you as a practitioner can empathize or even identify with a problem that another company had and say, oh, I need that, right? and that's why things like customer whatever you call it, whatever everybody calls their gathering right we call yeah. it like a project seminar but i think those kind of gatherings where you get to hear from the people doing the doing the practitioners mm-hmm. and how a, a technology and a team you know help change their business and yeah. the problem that it attacked i think that's incredibly powerful agreed
1: agreed great well said there okay Steph, let's make sure folks, and I had it on this last slide. I'm going to pop it right back up here. How can folks connect beyond the webinar and beyond the feature page with customer stories, mm-hmm. with some of our favorites? How can they connect with uh, you and 3G, Steph?
2: Yeah, absolutely. So the, my email is on there. LinkedIn is on there for me personally. Also, connect3gtms at 3gtms.com. We can put that in into the chat. I'll pop it in when we bounce off. Those are ways to connect with us. We're always happy to engage. We're always looking to learn from your own experiences as well.
1: Love that, uh, Steph. Really appreciate where you're, um, the angle of, of attack of your message here today. I think, again, kindred spirits. And it represents, Greg, a lot of what we have been talking and listening uh, to business leaders talk about, right? So with no further ado, uh, Stephanie Richelieu-Stagger, Chief Customer Officer with 3G, thank you so much for your time here today, Steph.
2: Thank you. Much appreciated. Just a shout out, thoughts and prayers for everybody down in Florida, obviously. And shout out to everybody on this call for participating. Appreciate it.
1: Thanks so much, Steph. Thank you. I enjoy, I mean, goodness gracious, we had a couple comments I'll try to share here in a second before we wrap, but uh, I just, I love the angle and and kind of her approach of tackling today's conversation, Greg.
0: Very matter of fact, right? I mean, Einstein said, if you can't explain what you do in 30 seconds, you don't know it well enough. And (laughs) Stephanie can really break things down into their simplest components. And it's clearly because she's got the experience in doing it. So it is fascinating to have somebody be so concise and compelling, which has sort of become the theme of the week. It seems like, right? We've got a lot of people who know their stuff right, really, really well and, and can kind of cut through everything just to, to get to the meat of the issue and the meat of the solution
1: so true. Some most of the time you get one or the other, but you don't get both. But today we got both. It was like a, a bogo deal. Uh <laughs> concise and compelling. Okay, a couple of quick comments and then we're going to wrap here today. I really I wish we could we could celebrate all of the submissions we got. Mohib says, "Doses of agility are not only necessary to make our supply chain DNA resilient, but booster shots may be needed every now and then." Well said. Booster Mohib. shots of agility. I love it. <laughs> right. Uh, Greg says you need to continue to ask what went right and what went wrong to improve and continuous improvement. Um, excellent point, Greg. And look, Greg is leaning out. And I'm just I'm just kind of picking on you, Greg. Great, great podcast. We got a new vehicle name here. We got no time for D's. Now, nah, Greg, all a good fun. Great to have you back, and hope the uh, the new venture is doing really well. Um, let's see here. Rhonda says yes, Steph. Blending of old world knowings and tech savvy now youth. And when I say now youth, it just means not next generation, it's the now generation. They're already doing stuff now. Uh, The tech savvy now youth, boom, a magical space for today's needs and assessments that can make a difference. Well said, Rhonda, very poetic there. Let's see here. Looks like, let's just, oh goodness, Greg says, let's just remember how resilient the Green Bay Packers are. All right, so Chiefs and Pats, the Packers look like they're going to maybe make a run for it this year. Who knows, Greg? Yeah,
0: one of the two quarterbacks that played in that Packers and Bucks game, at least one of them will not be in the league next year. Okay. I, I imagine it's going to be Brady because his wife is pretty hot at him for even coming back to begin with. Right. So, but it is time again for Aaron Rodgers, who has so many special gifts. I mean, Brady is unquestionably the GOAT, but he has so many special gifts. And to watch that game was just, it's like the Battle of the Titans, wasn't it?
1: Yes, agreed. Agreed. The winners uh, and, you know, of the
0: very first Super Bowl, the Greenberg Green Bay Packers. Uh, that's right. Way. They beat so, the Kansas City Chiefs.
1: That is right. Bart Starr, I think, was part of that game. Yes, but, he uh, was. Very good. <laughs> we'll say that for another time. One final one, and Rain, we appreciate your work and and facilitation. Again, you can reach out to contact three G. Uh, let's see here. Oh, contact three G TMS at 3gtms.com for a lot more information. So, if you want to connect with Steph or Rain or the team over there, doing great things at 3G. Okay, Greg, wonderful conversation. Certainly one of our one of my recent faves. I knew yeah. I got a sense of that in our pre-show discussions. I really appreciated kind of how Steph couched her perspective over the last hour. Always a pleasure to do thing do these shows with you, Greg. Likewise. Yeah, this was a great one. It was a good one. Really appreciate everyone that showed up in the comments. I know we couldn't hit all of them, but y'all keep that good stuff coming. Big thanks to our production team for knocking this out here today. But, you know, like Steph mentioned before she left, the important stuff, the most important stuff is folks that are in the path of Hurricane Ian, uh, our thoughts and prayers are with you. Our resources will be with you. So y'all take advantage of those of, of vetted nonprofits. Greg, as you know, during all these times of disaster, you've got bad actors that stand up you know, fundraising campaigns and that those resources don't get to where they need you know need to go. Just vet to our listing. Just go listeners. with the old
0: standards. You'll be fine.
1: Yes, yeah. that's right. And <laughs> be sure to check out <laughs> be sure to check out AllenAid.org. They're doing yeah. great work and they will be really involved in the recovery and cleanup efforts. So on behalf of our team here at Supply Chain Now, hey remember deeds, not words, take action. Be that good neighbor here today. But most importantly